Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is up? Welcome to the, what is this, the seventh episode of the Alex Fast Show. Uh, a quick refresher on what we're doing here. Every single MLB pitcher is in the big leagues for a reason. Maybe their arsenal possesses something unique or they have like a distinct release point that allows them to succeed. What the show wants to find out is what that reason is, right? And every week I'm going to be doing an exhaustive dive on one pitcher, just one, where we're going to be peeling back the layers on what makes that pitcher tick in the process. I'm going to be breaking down at least one high-level pitching concept per episode or at least doing my best to maybe that's induced vertical break or today it's going to be seam shifted wake or vertical approach angle which we've done in the past every day I'm learning more about pitching and I just want to be able to keep doing that with all of you obviously I missed last week was enjoying the all-star break got up to Seattle and watched the home run derby but I missed you is excited to get back into the groove of things right and who did I decide to break down today well I think I, I'm going to go with Logan Webb. He's been really, really interesting. I think he's been a little bit undervalued this year, but we're not focus, focusing on fantasy. I just think he's kind of overvalued, undervalued, excuse me, overall, right? So let's get into it. Let's break down Logan Webb, right? So he's a 26-year-old, which is kind of crazy because you've been hearing about him for the past couple of years, but he's just 26, obviously a righty with the San Francisco Giants. He's putting up what will be a third consecutive really good year for him, featuring a lot of career bests. And oddly, a few career worsts, okay? So a 311 ERA, which is the highest of the past three years, oddly enough, but still very good, gives you a good idea of how dominant he's been, dominant he's been the past couple of years. He's got a 26% K rate, a 4% walk rate, which is the lowest of his career, and we're going to break down why I think that is, a 1.08 whip, also the lowest of his career. However, giving up a career high 17% home run to fly ball rate, he does have a career best, 309 Sierra, but a career worst, 332 FIP, and a career worst, 9.3% swinging strike rate. Both of those are with a minimum of 100 innings, and also a career high, 77% left on base rate. So a lot of ups and downs, right? A lot of goods and bads, right? Um, the He was wrapped up by the San Francisco Giants earlier this year. They signed him to a five-year contract that, you know, kind of bought out the rest of his arbitration years. He's not going to be a free agent until, 30, uh, until he's 32 in 2029. Let's take a look at who he is like overall as a pitcher, right? Go a little bit deeper than like the surface level stats, right? So what's his arsenal? He goes to his sinker about 38% of the time overall, the changeup about 37% of the time, so kind of an even sinker changeup split overall, and then the slider about 22% of the time. He does have a four-seamer, throws it very, very rarely, so we're not even really going to talk about it, because I think it's like under 5% usage. It's really not a lot. When we're talking about right-handed hitters against Logan Webb, Logan's going to largely be sinker-focused with a good mix of sliders and change-ups. The focus is really predominantly on the off-speed as opposed to the breaking pitch. The focus is, is really on that change-up. 
For left-handed hitters, he actually throws the changeup over 40% of the time with the sinker about 35% of the time. So leans heavy on that changeup. He's still going to mix in the slider every once in a while around 18%. Certainly more of a weapon against right-handed hitters, which makes sense, right? He doesn't really seem to want to backfoot lefties all that much. What few four-seamers Logan Webb throws, he will largely throw to a left-handed hitter. So if you're watching a Logan Webb game and you see a lefty come up, maybe you'll see uh, a four-seamer peppered in every once in a while. Logan Webb really not a blow it by you kind of pitcher, right? As he sits just 92 on the heaters and, you know, he does get a really good amount of extension, right? He's 91st percentile in extension, which allows that sinker to play up in terms of velocity, right? If we look at his effective velocity, which is a concept that we went over a couple of episodes ago, but is essentially just saying how fast does a pitch look like it's coming in thanks to a pitcher's extension, then Webb's sinker is actually more 94 than it is 92. It's a really important distinction to make, right? I had a tweet about this a couple of days ago, and I think this is kind of like still, a, you know, a piece of knowledge that's kind of bandied about in pitching circles where the biggest difference in terms of WOBA comes between 93 and 94 miles an hour. So to have that kind of 94 mile an hour sinker happening for him is is, is quite big. More WOBA, more velocity, excuse me, is always going to be a good thing for a pitcher. Let's break down even further, though, right? We did the high level, we did a little bit lower level, and now we're really going to get into it with Logan Webb. And we're going to start with his sinker, right? So, as we established before, Webb's sinker comes in about 92 miles an hour, but the amount of extension that he gets makes it seem more like 94 miles an hour, which is really important in terms of WOBA allowed, right? The pitch gets about 16 inches of horizontal break with less than an inch of induced vertical break, which is another concept that we went over in the past. Essentially, the more induced vertical break, the more rise or carry or or lift or hop or vert, whatever you're going to get. So how does that compare? to league average. The league average sinker for righty starters gets about 15 inches of horizontal break. So Webb gets a little bit more, a little bit more horizontal break on his sinker, but usually um, has a bit more vert to it and not as much drop in terms of league average, right? The league average vert is nine inches, whereas Webb is about one. So what does that mean? He just gets a lot more drop on that sinker than you would typically see from a righty sinker. If we're going to talk about Webb and specifically his sinker, though, we really need to talk about seam shifted wake because there is a lot present for Logan Webb. So what is seam shifted wake? I'm going to do my best to break it down. In order to kind of understand seam shifted wake, though, I think we have to start with Magnus effect. Um, I was not a great physics student. That's why I, I talk about baseball all the time. But let me let me describe Magnus effect in baseball terms. When we talk about a rising four seamer, right, or or a heater with a lot of ride or carry or a lot of induced vertical break, we're, we're really kind of talking about Magnus effect, essentially a four seamer with a lot of backspin, right? Backspin is going to mean that the air is going to get under the ball making the ball drop less, giving it the impression that it's rising, right? And that's Magnus effect. Air gets under the ball, which is backspinning, and it's backspinning, backspinning. More air gets under the ball, and it doesn't fall quite as much, gives it the impression of rise. That's Magnus effect. The same thing happens with curveballs in the opposite direction, right? The more top spin a curveball gets, and the more spin efficient it is, the more Magnus effect, the more drop, right? For a while, Magnus effect was sort of like all the rage and how we described pitching, and it was like all about Magnus effect. What a lot of places quickly realize, however, is that Magnus wasn't the only thing impacting movement 
on a baseball, right? You could talk about top spin or side spin or back spin, but one type of spin that's being discussed a lot right now is gyro spin, right? The seams on a baseball, it's not a smooth surface, obviously, the seams create drag. And there was a belief that active spin or spin efficiency was the best way to get the most movement out of a pitch. If a pitch had a lot of spin and a great spin efficiency, that would explain the great movement it would get. But what about a pitch like Dustin May's sinker, right? Pretty poor raw spin, pretty poor spin efficiency, but unbelievable movement. Usually, in a seam-shifted wake pitch, if you're kind of looking for one that might have it, it's going to have a lot of gyro spin present. So a pitch with seam-shifted wake would have a lot of gyro present, a lot of deviation between how it should move based on spin-based movement and how it actually moves based on observed movement by pitch type. Um, At its core, seam-shifted wake is just kind of another way of explaining pitch movement. Earlier on, like I said, much pitch movement associated with the Magnus effect and seam-shifted wake is explaining a way of explaining why a pitch without Magnus can get a lot of movement. It can be mostly seen on sinkers, two-seamers, change-ups. It is present on curveballs and sliders. It's also present on some four-seamers as well, right? Um, but it's important to look out if you're looking out for it. Like Pitches with a lot of gyro will often uh, have seam-shifted wake to it. There's a lot of great articles on seam-shifted wake. One of the clearest and most concise I've read comes from Brandon Day. Um, Barton Smith has a, a blog that's obviously fantastic about it. There's article, uh, there's videos on on YouTube um, from uh, Rap Soto has a really good video on it. Tread Athletics has a good video on it. Driveline has a good video on it too. One of the best kind of analogies that I've heard for seam-shifted wake too is thinking about Let's say you're um, on a boat, you're riding on a boat, right? And you're going in a straight line and you don't change direction. The boogie board that's behind you would stay moving with the boat. But if the boat turns, right, just like a pitch would be turning, that boogie board would have to ride the wave that the wake causes. And then depending on which side of the wave you ride, that dictates the amount you turn and the point in time that you turn, right? I just think that visually that was super helpful to me to kind of wrap my head around, right? So you're out on a a huge lake, you're riding on a boat and there's a wake behind you. If you're going straight and you've got a boogie board, that boogie board isn't necessarily moving too much, right? Because you're in the wake. But if you turn, all of a sudden you hit that wave and the movement changes, that is seam shifted wake, right? I thought that was a really good way of uh, describing it that my buddy Josh Herzenberg broke down for me, okay? There are so many caveats when it comes to seam shifted wake. Just because a pitch has seam shifted wake does not make it better or worse inherently. You can't go say, oh, well, it's seam shifted wake. It's got to be dominant. It's just not the case. It just means that the pitch moves a little bit differently. It has seam shifted wake. It's a way of describing movement. Seam shifted wake can also help to create unique movement profiles on pitches as it does with Logan Webb's, right? The last thing I'll say about it too is pronation and supination, which are things that we talked about in a previous podcast, pronation bias and supination bias, can play a big part in a pitcher's ability to get seam shifted wake. So I spoke with a gentleman named Tyler White who works with a bunch of major league pitchers in the offseason and he mentioned that specifically for Webb when he pronates, he loses the shape of the pitch and the seam shifted wake. So Webb stays supinating, right? Remember the example I gave was supinating was like bringing a... (laughs) 
<laughs> a uh, spoon to your lips while eating soup. I know it's dumb. That's just how I remember it. Stays supinating as often as he can, both for the changeup and the sinker, which is very unique. So hopefully that provides some clarity on Seam Shifted Wake. Plenty of additional resources out there if you want to break it down. Or you can always reach out to me on Twitter to talk about it a little bit. Barton Smith is also down to talk about it, I believe. But back to Webb and his Seam Shifted Wake sinker. Uh, the pitch is not necessarily a whiff pitch for Logan Webb. Um, it's yet to record a swinging strike rate over 7%. However, he's very, very good at getting called strikes with the pitch. 34% called strike rate is the 96th percentile and about 13% over league average. As you can expect, the pitch is a heavy ground ball inducer, but it's actually way down comparatively. Currently, the pitch has a 60% ground ball rate, which is about 5% above league average, but that 60% is far away a career low for Logan Webb. It says career average is actually about 70-71, maybe a little bit higher. I think the reason for this is while Webb gets a very good amount of drop on the pitch, it's actually less drop than he got last year. Last year, about 35 collective inches of drop, including gravity. Uh, I think it was including gravity. Maybe I'm wrong. 35 inches of drop, though. This year down to 32. So as a result of that less drop, guys are getting under the pitch a lot more as opposed to on top of it, and they're turning it into fly balls. The fly ball rate on the pitch is a career-high 20%, which also explains the elevated home run to fly ball rate that we're seeing. Now, what's interesting there is home run to fly ball rate is terribly unreliable year over year, which is a good thing when it's elevated like this, but if he sticks with this movement profile, the regression might not be as severe as one would think, right? It's also worth mentioning that the release point has changed for Logan Webb, too releasing it a bit closer to the first base side, uh, which has to have interesting implications on the pitch, right? It's a curious decision, too, that I'm sure there's plenty of logic behind. I imagine it helps him get called strikes, and it certainly helps him go glove side, which he has done an insane amount this year. This is going to be the big takeaway of this podcast for Logan Webb. Webb's glove side average for his sinker, right? So how frequently he goes glove side, kind of backdoors that sinker to righties, was about 36% or so. League average glove side rate on a sinker is 25%, which makes sense. The backdoor sinker isn't necessarily the most popular pitch. That was last year, right? This year, He's doing it 51% of the time, 96th percentile. When you're talking about going to righties too, really backdooring sinkers, it's 54% of the time, right? Which is remarkable. But the WOBA on those backdoor sinkers to righties is 452. It's really poor. And I don't know why he's doing it as frequently as he is. Maybe it's because he's got a 51% CSW. On the pitch, which is remarkable. The called strike rate alone makes up a majority of that at 48%. So more than half the time he backdoors these sinkers to righties, it's a called strike. So when Logan Webb throws a sinker to a righty that comes on the outside corner of the plate, he's either getting a called strike on the pitch or it's just, you know, going over to the center of the plate and it's getting absolutely walloped. Overall, the change in shape for Webb's sinker hasn't necessarily been a good thing for him when it comes to certain numbers. He's giving up 38% hard contact on the pitch, which is a career high. That's 35th percentile. The whiff rate on the sinker is a career low. The swing rate is a career low, which is interesting. Guys are making contact at a 92% clip, which is a career high. And even though he's actually locating it out of the zone more than ever, it's getting fewer whiffs out of the zone. But that that kind of makes sense, right? Think of it this way. It sounds like when he's trying to backdoor a sinker to a right-handed hitter, it's starting off the plate. 
and not finishing close to the plate. So it never looked like a strike and guys aren't going to whiff at it out of the zone, which is obviously different than a pitch starting in the zone and then falling out of the zone, right? Lastly, we talked about spin a while ago and how it's good to have in context of spin rate. It's worth knowing that Webb gets a minimal amount of spin already on the sinker, like raw spin, first percentile in raw spin. Now, what's interesting is he used to get about 77% spin efficiency on the sinker, but it's jumped up. To 81%. Now we're not talking about four seamers where you want to see like upwards of like a 96% and stuff like that. You know, you can go back to another podcast where we talk about spin efficiency and its importance there. But it's interesting to see him kill some of the gyro this year and maybe add a little bit more of that Magnus effect to it, make it more slightly spin efficient. Overall, these are really interesting changes for Webb, and I don't necessarily want to make it sound like it's inherently a bad thing. The pitch still has an 80th percentile PLV. Again, it's an absolute called strike machine, but I would be curious to hear the reasoning as to why he killed some of the drop and shifted so much towards the first base side, considering the results haven't necessarily been as fantastic from him as we have seen from him in the past with a different profile. We're going to break down the rest of Logan Webb's arsenal, but first we're going to take a quick break. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com or underdogfantasy in the app store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. In Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. So let's take a look at another pitch with a good amount of seam shifted weight qualities in Logan Webb's changeup. Now, remember, we talked a while ago about pronation bias for supination bias, and we discussed how you'd likely be good at throwing a change if you had a pronation bias. Now, Webb 
we also talk about this a lot exceptions to the rule pitching the learning the language of pitching you have to learn exceptions to rules it's like french right webb seems to be a fantastic exception to the rule as he has difficulty pronating and therefore supinates the changeup, helping to give it a more unique movement profile at least according to the conversations that i've had the changeup gets about 11 inches of horizontal break with about 40 inches of drop to it with uh, with gravity and a negative five induced vertical break so that's about three inches less horizontal break than league average from a righty starter but an insane amount more drop for his changeup. The league average drop with gravity is about 31 inches. So Webb is getting almost 10 inches more drop than league average on that changeup. And again, when I say league average, I mean amongst righty starters. It's also coming in almost a tick and a half faster at 87, 88 miles an hour for him. Like the sinker, there's a lot of there's not a lot of raw spin, excuse me, not a lot of raw spin on the changeup. And like the sinker, Webb increased the amount of spin efficiency he's getting on the pitch, which is again is interesting considering I thought it'd be better for him to be killing the spin on that changeup as opposed to upping it. It's worth noting though that with this change in spin efficiency came a change in movement profile for his changeup. I already mentioned the 40 inches of drop with gravity he got and the 11 inches of horizontal break. Last year that horizontal break was actually 7 inches, so he added about 4 inches of run to that pitch. Now, in terms of performance, there's a lot of good and some bad. In terms of the good, 54% O swing on the changeup is 99th percentile in baseball. Lots of swing and misses out of the zone. 18% swing strike rate, career high. 239 Woba, 70th percentile. 71% ground, ground ball rate, 92nd percentile, nearly 30% above league average. He throws it in the zone about 43% of the time, which is a career high, and when he does, guys just bury it. The pitch has a negative two average launch angle, and for righties in particular, I think it was negative four. In terms of the bad, it can still get hammered really hard with a 31% hard contact rate that's about 6% higher than league average. A 13% home run to fly ball rate, though, about league average, not terrible. What we're sort of noticing, this kind of story here with Logan Webb, though, right, where, and, and maybe this is just true for every pitcher, but when he misses his spots with his sinker and changeup, he gets punished really hard. Now, we established that he's going glove side with that sinker a lot, and when it moves too close middle-middle, kind of, you know, creeps over the plate to righties, it gets hit, but what about the changeup? Exact same thing. So he goes 42% glove side with his changeup which is interesting, which is 98th percentile, right? And just 29% arm side, which is first percentile. So he still goes to it 29% of the time. It's not like he never does it, but he does it far less frequently than you would typically see. He clearly doesn't really want to jam righties with, with this pitch or the sinker or come even close to them at all. He wants to stay away and have pitches leak back towards the outside corner for a called strike or some weak contact. This is another change for him, as he used to be more focused on moving arm side with the changeup Webb did, but whereas we saw an increase in the amount of under percentage, so the amount of, you know, uh, under is the amount that batters are kind of getting under the pitch, um, we saw an increase in the amount of under percentage Webb got in his sinker, we see a jump in the amount that hitters are getting on top of the changeup. A 51% clip is a near career high for him, and is in the 85th percentile, however, it's also worth noting a 20% sweet spot percentage. So that's 20% of the time hitters are just hitting the sweet spot of the ball, just absolutely nailing it and driving it. There's definitely a clear formula for Webb that seems to have developed, though, right? Especially when it comes to righties, and that's just stay away from him. Stay away from him. Excuse me. Back door. Stay glove side. Hope that pitch doesn't leak too much towards the center of the plate, and then focus on called strikes and weak contact. There is one pitch remaining. Really, because there's no point in breaking down the four-seamer. He just doesn't really throw it enough. Um, that's the slider. 
We know that Webb goes glove side sinker. He goes glove side changeup. Typically, you would think a slider would also be glove side too, right? You want the pitch breaking away from the right-handed hitter. So is that true? Does he just have three prominent glove side pitches? Sort of. Um, Webb goes glove side with his sinker 59% of the time, which is right at league average. He does like to go arm side with the pitch 21% of the time, which is 69th percentile. So 21% of the time, it's good to have that context because it's not like he's doing it a lot, but he is doing it more than league average. I know Webb likes to call the pitch a slider, but it really is kind of more of a sweeper for him. The pitch gets about 12 inches of horizontal break with about zero inches of induced vertical break. So for context, a league average slider gets about six inches of horizontal break from a righty starter, while a sweeper gets about 14 inches. So Webb is kind of close to a below league average sweeper in terms of horizontal movement profile than he is to a slider. Also worth noting that's is his most plus pitch velo wise, and meaning that it comes uh, two miles an hour harder than league average at about 84 miles an hour. It shouldn't be a surprise too that a guy with a 10% swinging strike rate doesn't really have an elite whiff pitch, and the slider is just further proof of that, which is interesting considering the break that it gets. Just a 10% swinging strike rate, which is a near career low for him, but again, picks up an insane amount of called strikes at 20%. This pitch also doesn't quite get hit as hard as the other pitches in the arsenal, but it's still a 24% hard contact rate, which is around league average. So that's no major pitch with a hard contact rate below league average. It's worth noting, too, as a sidebar, Webb's hard hit rate is really bad. It's never been something he's excelled at, as he's always been in like the 40th percentile in baseball, but this year he's down to the 12th percentile and the context is super important when he misses his spots he gets hammered it's not like a it's not a like a big death knell for pitchers I think that's really really important I remember a couple years ago you would go look at Shane McClanahan's uh, baseball savant page and you would see that you know blue lollipop and hard contact and it's again it's not death knell right McClanahan comes to mind for why it isn't a death knell strider too sometimes these guys especially big swing and miss guys they you know, put it over the heart of the plate with velocity. Sometimes they miss and they get punished for it. Webb just seems like one of those dudes who is an exception to the rule again, which makes breaking him down all the more fun because he's not a velocity guy, right? He's more finesse and command with that 4% walk rate and the ability to paint the edges, but still he can miss every once in a while and he can get punished for it. It's remarkable too that according to pitcherless metrics, he hasn't allowed a single piece of weak contact on that slider. That percentage is always relatively low to begin with, like 5 to 8%, but it's quite literally a 0%. Guys are squaring it up a bit too well, they're getting under it a bit for a pop-up. As we see with his changeup, he does a really good job of keeping the pitch low in the zone, and he also does a really good job of executing with two strikes on the pitch as well as the put-away rate is above league average. One thing that's interesting to note too about Webb, is that a lot of his home run are coming late in games. Nearly 50% of his allowed home run come in the 6th, 7th, or 8th inning. So that maybe it could be um, guys picking up on his stuff. It could be fatigue. Only two of those home runs have come off the slider, while the others are spread around all of his pitches, including the four-seamer. But I did think it was interesting to note that a lot of those home runs are coming later in games for him. So let's take a step back and let's look at kind of the puzzle pieces that we have put together. So Logan Webb is a unique pitcher. We know that this year he moved more towards the first base side than ever before, and he seemed to have made a pact with Satan that he's just going to go glove side all of the time. He's going to go glove side with the sinker, he's going to go glove side with the changeup, and he's going to go glove side with the slider. And that move towards first base makes a good amount of sense as it allows him to have success picking up those called strikes. The pitches likely look as if they are starting way off the plate and then just cutting back towards the plate at the last second for a called strike low and away, 
And then sometimes guys maybe have a last minute swing because they realize it is actually going to nip the zone. And as a result, they get some weak contact on the pitch or they hit it for a ground ball. However, when they don't break that way, uh, the, the way that they should, or when they start off a bit too on the plate, hitters are able to square it up and do a good amount of damage against them, regardless of the pitch type. If you're going to give up hard contact, though, Oracle Park, not necessarily the worst place to do it. So, okay, that is Logan Webb, at least to the best of my ability at the moment. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at AlexFast8 with comments and feedback and let me know your thoughts on Logan Webb or things maybe I potentially missed or you'd like to learn more about. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Alex Fast Show. Talk to you guys next week.